0: Hello and welcome to another episode of We In Got No Podcast. I am Ram, your um, co host, and I kind of feel dodgy saying that because I haven't been on the last episode. That was, that was Jimmy with some others, but I did listen to it and I'm back today. And Jimmy is with me. So, hello, Jim. It's been a while. How are you doing?
1: Been a while, Ram. Hi. It's good to have you back. And yeah. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, kind of weird that I'm introducing, given I'm the one being welcome back. Uh, anyway, um, today we have, a, we have a special guest with us, whom you can hear chuckling in the background. That is Mez Rahman of The Other Side of the Coin on YouTube. You can find his videos on the channel of the same name, The Other Side of the Coin. Please give him a follow on uh, Twitter, subscribe to him on YouTube, watch his post-match streams and everything. They're really good. So. Hi, miss, you've been on the podcast before and it's good to have you back, of course.
2: No, it's, it's special to be back, honestly. I really enjoy talking to you two. Um, I think you, you guys, you know, I know Twitter and social media is all about, um, you know, people just saying outlandish stuff and <laughs> gaining followers and not many sort of articulate level of discussions. But I love talking to you guys and you deserve so much more acknowledgement in social media. But I guess, you know, social media is all about for the kids and, and if, uh, <laughs> landish it can be. So I'm, I'm happy to be back and speaking to you, to intellects. And I've had Jimmy in my channel quite a few times. And the fans, my, my, my subscribers, they love Jimmy. And I cannot wait till I have Ram you as well. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have a fantastic conversation as well.
1: Mate, you That's should cool. be a politician. You should be a politician. <laughs> all the right words.
0: Jimmy, I do I didn't know I didn't know about this double life of yours. Yeah, that you were that life. well appreciated.
1: <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> well, um,
0: so we did we did play Southampton and Jimmy's who are managed by Jimmy's second favourite manager in the Premier League. Oh yeah. Because yes. he's Austrian. Ralph Hassenhürdel. And it was, uh, in my opinion, that was one of the few times that aside has actually tried to play football against us um, mm. among the games that Thomas Tuchel has taken over so far. And we did, I didn't, I didn't personally, I didn't enjoy watching it very much because mm. I will, I mean, I'll maybe elaborate on that later. But first, I want to know what, what you thought of the game yesterday, Miss. How did you feel it was very different to the ones that preceded it?
2: Yeah, um, I-, I tweeted something straight after the match, and obviously I had the review after, but I tweeted, which was probably a lot more, had a lot more weight than what I probably said in the review. I tweeted saying that this was probably the very first time in the Tuple era, which has been a very short era so far, that he got a lot of things wrong, I feel, personally. And I think the very first poor performance under his management as well. So, you know, whether, uh, I mean, I want to look at it as a blip, of course, um, because he's been doing very well recently since he's, ta- since he's taken over. The surge up the table in the Premier League has been fantastic, quite phenomenal, to be honest. Yes, our rivals dropped points, but we capitalized as well at the same time, which, which, uh, needs to be said, and the praise needs to be given to Tuchel, knowing where Frank had left us, I suppose, uh, in 10th, I believe. So, the game against Southampton, I honestly, boys, I I actually expected a victory. I really did. Uh, I was a bit weary about playing such teams that have this very troubled form, you know, coming yeah. off a sixth match losing streak. You're always weary that Surely they're gonna, you know, they're gonna bounce back here and there. Always, I was us. Just hoping, Always exactly. against I us, was, yeah. I was just hoping that it wasn't gonna be against us and that we do give them their seventh loss in the Premier League in the row. But I think, boys, where he kind of lost it for me was straight away from the lineup. Uh, I know we're gonna get deep into it, but mm-hmm. when I look at that lineup and I look at our attacking. S in that lineup, it was really upon Tim Verna and Mason Mount to do the job because you've got Reese James in the wing back, who I don't think is as dynamic as Callum Matsunadoi being in the wing backs because Callum has the ability to beat men in a 1v1 situation. Um, yeah. He creates a lot more chaos, whereas Reese James probably doesn't. I think he's far more suited as a right CB where Spiliqueta plays. Whether you remove Aspiliquit or now, that's a different story. And Alonso, guys, I-, I tweeted all throughout the match yesterday that the only reason the whole fan base has an ounce of love or like for Alonso is just purely because of his clutch goals and yeah. nothing else. Nothing else. Everything else is absolutely, I wouldn't even say championship level. I would even say probably League, league 1, League yeah, oh, League one careful, careful. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm gonna get eat for this, but look, it, it is, it's quite, it's, it's very tough to see a player of a Premier League, you know, stature whose pace is so ridiculously slow, whose touches are slow, whose passes and everything is slow. And this is why we don't focus on the left-sided. We're very, very right-sided, lopsided attacking sides. So, for me, you know, Chilwell, probably a game like that, deserved to play. He hasn't played enough. I just thought that perhaps Alonso maybe gets a nod against Atletico Madrid, knowing his clutch qualities, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, these are some of my initial thoughts, guys. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know you've got a problem if you play like a League One player because that—I mean, you're no good yeah. then. Absolutely no good. League One's like really bad. So, <laughs> uh, okay, that I just—I just had to jab that in. Sorry. Um, anyway, um, Rams being very quiet, so I think I should—I <laughs> should stop doing saying that. No, um, just to uh, link up with that, I think Alonso—that he's not the quickest guy on the field that that's, that's, that's that's old news. Uh, And I'm Mm. sure Tuca will have known that. And when we're in control, that's fine really because teams haven't really been breaking too much against us as we've been having the ball 80% of the time, but that, that kind of makes up for it. And, you know, I've been very on off about Marcus Alonso. And yesterday was one of those games again, where, Tuchel rightfully was screaming at him because, t- well, to be fair, he lost the ball a, few, a lot of the time. But then again, mm. most of the team did, even Mateo Kovacic. And that's a problem. If you don't start Mateo Kovacic with, uh, with Jorginho, that's one of my biggest quarrels, actually, Bang yesterday. On. Because people su- actually also among the We Ain't Got No History community, it has to be said, uh, also said to my lineup, it's it's quite, quite weird how people don't want to realize that this this, this pivot is actually making a big difference in Tuchel's cool system. There's a reason why he's been going with it. I'm guessing he didn't use it yesterday because he thinks, well, Mateo Kovacic can play every game anyway. I'm not sure if that's 100% applicable, but that's, I guess, what he's thinking. So he saved up Jorginho yesterday to play for Atletico Madrid because I'm I'm pretty sure he'll know if he's capable of beating atletico madrid and going with chelsea into uh around which is further than the first you know the last 16 uh, that already mm-hmm. be a success because we haven't been there for ages well, since t- 214 against atletico madrid if i'm not mistaken um yeah in the semi-finals so that that that's it and um as such that would make a big difference of course for us but then again I don't know. I, I fully agree with you, Miz, that he made some mistakes yesterday, which we haven't been seeing. And that's normal. You know, he's just a human being yeah, even that some has been calling him the messiah, basically. And <laughs> it's, 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 you know, Thomas Duchel isn't a perfect coach. He hasn't been. I, I said this much, as you already mentioned on your streams, uh, I've said it on Twitter and I'll say it again here because Thomas Tuchel is still young. He's got a lot of well, impulsiveness to deal with. Yesterday, mm-hmm. for example, I mean, how that Saha- Cameron Hudson-Odoi situation was handled. I mean, you know, if he would have started at right wing back, it would have probably helped, I agree. Reese James wasn't good yesterday. He more stifled our tax than helped. Yeah, uh, in creating them or being dangerous. Although that already can be led back to Azpilicueta playing more conservative yesterday, I felt like. Mm. And as such, Rhys James was isolated more, so he couldn't link up as much. And so his threat was, uh, I don't want to say annulled, but it was very, very vague at best. But Hmm. the substitution of Callum Hudson-Odoi made for me no sense. Yes, he wasn't as good as he has been. Maybe he does lack a bit of the motivation that he has when he starts a game, but that's, I think, every player. Every player wants to start. And this was more a political move than anything else because not even Thomas Tuchel can tell me that from a sporting point of view, it made sense to put Hakim Ziyech on yesterday. Every time he's played for Chelsea since Tuchel took over, he s- seemed alien to the system, completely alien. And it, it pains me to say that because I can remember polls at the start of the season saying, oh, which player you're most excited about? And I was always saying Hakim Ziyech because Hakim Ziyech is a special player. But you saw it from his body language. It, we're already at that point. So that's why I think that there's actually something that's true about these rumors that he's already looking to move on because that body language yesterday, no one can tell me that that radiated. Oh yeah. I want to be here. Mm. that he did not show that with his body language. Otherwise he was always, you know, kind of up for it, smiling or something. It was, just really down yesterday and it showed on the pitch this pattern continued always losing the ball no real good passes his corner the the only thing we thought okay this is one of those situations at least now i can show his qualities it didn't get past the first man great absolute useless and you know i i get that he he's not motivated enough at the moment because this new regime doesn't really fit to his playing style and to his role where he exhilarates at but um, that's, you know, it's not good enough and Tuchel can't tell me that Callum Hudson wouldn't have at least brought double the effectiveness that Hakim Ziyech brought, he wouldn't have given the ball away as much he was at least trying to take on people, maybe he wasn't working back as hard but you know, there was that one chance where he cut back the ball. It didn't get, you know, the, it didn't get past, uh, I can't remember his name, Salissio? Salissio. Salissio? Yeah, yeah Salissio. Yeah, he was good yesterday, so okay. But at least he tried. Hakim Sioc did nothing of the sort. So, yeah, that I just had to go into that because that, that was something that really annoyed me. And I'm sure that... Many among the fan base will agree that that move was just a power play and not for sporting reasons, if you ask me.
2: Hmm. Interesting, to be honest. I mean, look, I don't, to be honest, I don't really sometimes understand, you know, the the political move or or the power move. I don't understand it completely enough. There are other people in the fan base that sort of understands it a little bit better. maybe. You know, just probably being very, very close uh, within the game or the industry or whatever the case is. But I, I want to take a different angle here. Um, I mean, look, completely acknowledge what you said, Jimmy, in the sense that it was a power move. I completely understand that. But what I want to sort of look at is a couple of different ways. First, I want to see is say is that, um, you know... <laughs> As a coach, you would know that Callum's a youngster, so he's, he's, he's only 20, I believe. And if you yeah. see that you're not getting the kind of energy level or the, or the push that you desired from substituting him in, then, you know, you, you, you bark the orders first. You, you, you just let him know that, Callum, I need, come on, you yeah, know, I, I need more. I need more. Keep pushing, keep moving. I brought you in for a different, you know, for for a change. Um, And I've spoken to, like, a few um, individuals in our fan base who are very, very well connected, um, you know, in the background with Chelsea, and they know a few people and whatnot. And a lot of these people have said that Callum is very different in the sense that, you know, like, for example, Mason Mounds and Rhys James and Tammy, Tammy Abraham, you know, they're all sort of similar ages, but Callum's maturity level is somewhat a little bit, you know, he, he's not as mature as those three players that I've mentioned. You now, Mason Mount is far mature for his age. He, like, he may be, I think, what, 22, 23, I believe, something, I think, 22. But his maturity level is of, 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 of a man of at least 28, 29. Do you know what I mean? Rich yeah, James, but, but isn't
1: he just 20, Callum? i I mean i think it does make a difference if you're 20 years old or you're 23 like tammy's 23 um reese james okay he's only 21 but uh you know between mason mount and hudson there are two years and i can remember when i was that age a lot happens in two years maturity wise you know Mm -hmm. you get the right girl and so on and you Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. You you know you move out from home <laughs> and all that. It's, it's all, all those things come together. So I think it makes a big difference if you're 20 years old and Callum Hudson is the youngest of the bunch. Sorry for interrupting you, there, I I just, yeah, I just want course. to say that, that that makes a big difference. Those three years, for example, between Abraham and him. So hundred percent. And
2: and and you know what you know what Jimmy and Ramazan. What they've what what I've heard from some of these individuals is that although Callum is 20 he doesn't necessarily always act in that particular age now. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, he is yeah. actually a little bit more... He is someone who's still 17, 18 in his headspace. Do you know what I mean? And this is no disrespect to Callum at all. We are all different. Uh, you know, I matured very late <laughs> uh, as an individual as well. So, um, So I understand that. So the reason why I'm saying that is Tuku would have seen this. Frank had definitely seen this, and that's why he used to always... Paul Callum out in public and say all of those things about sort of comparing him with Sterling and wanting him to be more Sterling-esque uh, in his, in his demeanour and his role. And I feel Tucker would have known that and he should have given this kid a, a chance that, OK, you haven't been doing what I've been asking you to do as a substitute. I'm going to bark some orders and let's see if you respond. So, not, look, I don't know, ha- ha- had you know, Tuchel barked orders. Maybe he did. And Callum still didn't probably respond or, or just couldn't comprehend. And fair enough, you've taken him off because you do what is best for the betterment of the team. But the other aspect is that... So there's, there's a maturity aspect. The other aspect is Tuchel has been using Callum in, in quite a few different positions. And I don't know if, if that also is, is always... Uh, a positive thing for a play. You know, he's played in the right wing back, where I feel like he understood his role very well. Uh, tactically, you know, I remember, you know, Jimmy, I was, I was, I think it was you, or maybe it was just before that, or someone else in my review. I was saying that I was so impressed by Callum Andersonoy's, you know, after after the Wolves game, the first game under Thomas Tuchel, and how he played in the right wing back space. And post game, Callum gave such a nice interview and. You know, mm. The way he was talking about tactics in that right side was, you know, blew me blew me off completely. That you know this lad understands this role just after one training session so well that you know where he's going to go in, in in say six months' time or a year's time under under Thomas Hube if if they do get that opportunity. So yeah, you know, I don't know. I think he came on as as a, as an inside forward yesterday, but more sort of like a sometimes on the left side, alongside Alonso. Sometimes he drifted on the right where he supported Mason to get that penalty, of course. But there was quite a lot of times where he was on the left side and I don't think playing alongside Alonso, and I'm sorry to say the name again, Alonso, but there's a reason why we don't go through that area because that area is not our strongest area. And you really have to do everything by yourself because you're not going to get that level of assistance in terms of technicality from from Alonso's side as opposed to the right side. Um,
0: Do you think think Callum should have come on for someone else on the right side instead?
2: 100% right. I I actually tweeted this um, probably on the 50th minute or maybe yeah, just before we equalised or even just before or just on when Kalamatsu actually came on, I said that, why not? Because I, I just had a feeling, I, know, I understand what um, Jimmy said about Ziyech, but I just had a feeling before the match that like he was going to feature in some manner. So I, 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 I tweeted out that, why not have, you know, shift Kalamatsu to the right wing, back, uh, right wing back position? Because he, he understands that role very well and he's able to take on his man and defeat the man 1v1 and then produce chaos on the right side, whether it be a cross, whether it be you know, uh, anything else. Because even Aspilicueta finds himself playing better when Callum's playing as a wing back, because Callum allows for that overlapping right centre-back situation as well. And I, I thought if you do need to keep Kante, then fine. Hook Kovacic off because second half Kovacic wasn't playing that great. Perhaps hmm. bringing Reece James into the center of the midfield alongside Kanté, Reece has played that position, and that gives us a little bit more solidity in the midfield. And Reece is is very decent on the ball. He can he can he can pass the one touch passes and you know the the the, the things that you need to do in the double sixes. He can do that alongside Kanté, and that allows Kanté the freedom to go up and down the channel as well, knowing Reece is not going to be. Doing that, he's going to be very disciplined and stay back. And I know we're going to talk about that whole double sixes pivot between Kante and Kovacic, and I don't think it works completely. But had there been re exchange there, maybe it allows Kante to go forward. And then you can have someone like Ziyech come in as an inside forward. So to answer your question, Ron I I would have still got in Kalamantan but I wouldn't have got him as an inside forward. I would have got him as a as a right wing back. Um, taking Tammy off to being in Callum and then using Mason Mount as a false nine kind of worked for a little bit but yeah Southampton quickly figured that out and then you know as soon as we equalized it, it was back to status quo again
0: yeah understandable um I, I would I would definitely agree with you for the record and just on something I kind of want something else I wanted your opinions on Timo Werner. So okay, so basically, first mm. are we thinking of the system as two tens and a striker, or are we thinking of it as a ten and like split strikers? Because I, I don't know, I thought Werner was pretty suspect yesterday again. Mm. I think in the second half we tried to stretch the defense a little more, started going a little more direct, and that maybe worked for us a little bit more in terms of penetration. But just something about Werner still doesn't seem to be clicking for me mm. because a lot of the times he had possession on the left side and he just didn't know what to do with it. He didn't make the right decision. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you think is happening with Werner at the moment?
2: Rama, I'd have to agree that it's probably a lone striker with two tens. Um, yeah. Yes, it can sometimes flip into two strikers and a 10. Yes, it does have the fluidity of doing that, but I think... I've I've seen some recent quotes where, whether it was a Tuchel or was it Werner himself, I can't really remember, where they were saying that to get the best out of Timo Werner, he he enjoys playing either just behind a striker or alongside a striker. So I think what's happening is he's more of a left forward at times or more of a left inside forward, just behind, sort of like a tent I'd say, like a false tent you can say which has a very, very free space. That's why you see sometimes Timo Werner hugging the touch lines. Sometimes you see him very central. Sometimes you see him next to Tammy. Um, so I, I don't think he's always comfortable playing as as the main striker up front. He can do that, but he then needs, you know, either a siege or a, you know, a Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech kind of players to to feed him those passes. But I think that kind of then dilutes his pace game. He doesn't want to be static in the middle. He wants to be more drifting from the left and then coming in and really utilize his pace. Kind of like what he did against Newcastle, that goal um, where he burst through the center and then he placed the pass for Tammy Abraham to finish things off. Yeah. If, if, if you look at his game and his traits from the Leipzig days, he's a very much of a, you know, someone who likes to play on the, on the, on the wings and, and, and really just sort of drift um, and, and likes the space. He loves the space. He cannot, and this is a question that we really, really need to ask ourselves on, on how much... And this is not having a go at Timo Werner at all. Once again, I'm not having a go at Timo Werner. He definitely has a lot to prove, especially his first touch is ridiculously ugly. Um, But how much research did we do knowing that the calibre of teams we play in the Premier League who don't give you an inch uh, in terms of space in the back? Mm -hmm. It's it's not the Bundesliga, you know, where he used to just run off and just score goals for fun. He... You're not going to get that, and if you want that, you're going to have to be as a left winger, where I don't think Werner is a very good left winger at all. 1v1 dribbling is not something that Werner is a master at. Yeah, he can do a job at times, but doing a job for Chelsea Football Club is not is you know, it's not acceptable. If you don't do a job. You've got to be yeah. exceptional. You know, <laughs> There's players that can do a job, but then, you know, forget about winning titles. So yeah, I think Timo Werner, and I'm, I'm sad to say this, as much as the fan base is, is all behind him, and I'm behind him as well, but I mm-hmm. worry about his future in this team if we don't actually get someone like Haland. I think someone like Haland allows Timo Werner to do all of those stuff that... that, that that he's well-equipped to do you know, on the left side, inside forward. But right now, Tammy, as much as, yes, he still gives... Tammy, uh, Tammy still gives Timo Werner some sort of um, freedom to do what he does best. But I don't think we're seeing the best off Timo yet because I, I don't completely believe in Tammy Abraham either. So um, this is probably why we're linked with Haaland to, to see if we can unlock Timo Werner
0: over than what we have seen. My goodness. Uh, yeah, I think I think the fact that we're thinking of buying Haaland to get the most out of Warner kind of alludes back to the point of how much do we actually think about how Warner fits into our side and we how it's going right? to work. I feel like we yeah, didn't. Yeah. I, yeah, we didn't I, at all think about it. I'm kind of loath to accept that as reality, but I'm beginning to think that may be true. Also, given that we bought Havertz, who is in a similar-ish situation, but mm. yeah, Jimmy, would you would you agree with that? I mean, I know I know you watched a decent amount of Warner before that. Do you think do you think that it is mostly just a case of teams not affording enough space in behind for him to make those runs, or are we simply not? I mean, I did see a lot of occasions where he was angling to make runs and then players ignored him. I mean, I've seen this happen yeah. throughout. throughout this thing, yeah. Really. Yeah. So um, yeah, Jimmy, maybe maybe you can give me your opinion on that, and then we can take a short break.
1: Yeah, no, I mean the thing is, this isn't a surprise, for Werner. And when we when we were buying him, I was saying as much, and and the the, the threads. You know, it's great that we have him because it's always nice to get you know get one over Liverpool, where everyone thought he would be going. Actually. And no one was giving us a chance in hell. That's great. You know, same with Kai Habits. No one gave us a chance in hell. We got him. Brilliant. The problem is anyone could have told you that Werner is not this ice cold finisher because everyone thought because of his Mm. goal tally last year, without looking at how many chances he actually needed for them, uh, Mm. he, he, he will always, um, just finish goals, you know, ice cold, no problem. Um, but, uh, the thing is, he he that's not Werner. And every Leipzig fan was saying, you know, you can read in German forums, you just go back. They were saying, you know, <laughs> we don't quite understand this because we Chelsea plays a one-striker system. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Tuchel or Lampard, both play with a one-striker system. Uh Tuchel at least for now. So that's not Team of Werner's strength. It hasn't been it wasn't Leipzig, so one adjusted. And then one either let him play with uh who was he again uh, i mean back then i mean there was force there was this polson uh, mm. and they we were basically always interacting and there was never a case where um timo verner was playing alone there and that's kind of the thing you know putting him in there on the left he's never been good He's never been good. He wasn't good there for life. He wasn't good there um, uh, at Stuttgart. He's it's, 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 it's never worked out there, and I don't quite understand why one tries to reintegrate him there. He's not one that can cut back like a Callum hudson Put anyone there. Christian Pulisic, Callum hudson um Well, that's about it, actually. We've... Uh, <laughs> we don't that's have any of left wingers at the moment. That's about it. I can feel yeah, it, but that's much know, much. any one of those two you can put there and they'll cut in and they can take them on. But Verno always does the same. I mean, it's been, it was good against um, Newcastle, for example, where he did, you know, get an assist again. But that's some, some ways wasted. Our service has been terrible this season, one way or another. Yeah. You know, that's something that Tuchel hasn't been able to get the best out of this team yet. And so that's been a bit starved off for the likes of Werner and also Abraham, to be fair. I I, I agree with you. I also have my concerns about Abraham. I'm not quite sure he'll ever be able to make it as a starting striker. That's but true. um but uh the thing is team of Werner, if you don't have him play with another striker, have him play off one, then he's wasted. And that Anyone could have told you that who watches a decent amount of, of German Bundesliga. So what I don't quite understand is how our scouting department thought this would work. Either there was literally no communication with Frank Lampard, to be fair to him, or one just thought, oh, we don't want Liverpool to get him, so we'll get him. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it makes no sense, as you guys already alluded to, because he doesn't fit the system. I think I don't agree with with pundits saying he doesn't fit into English football. That's bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's, it's part my French that I don't agree <laughs> with that. He can be a great success. He showed as much at the start of the season were done when he was well scoring several first. goals, you know. Yeah. And like that one goal, I think it was against Southampton. We took on, I don't know, four or five players and then yeah. finished. We thought, brilliant. Yeah. You know, yes. he, he, he's he got it in his luck. It doesn't, ha- he doesn't care if it's the Bundesliga or if it's England or in the national team. The national team is also good. This guy is a baller, you know, but you have to play to his strengths. If you don't, then in time confidence sinks and then you can forget it. And, you know, to, you have to give him credit that he at least he's still trying. I can remember with Fernando Torres, it was going all south. Then at one point, he just gave up. You know, it just felt as if he gave up. I um, don't want to you know, open up old wounds with the whole Torres saga. But <laughs> that, that's kind of a trait that not every player has. Morata, he gave up, for example. You yeah. know, Ziesh, it for me, after yesterday, it feels like, woof. I don't know if this guy's still really got hope to be a success here. But Timo Werner, you never have that with him. The guy always gives it his his all, and that's fantastic. But you have to play the system to him. And he's the kind of guy that if you do that, then you'll profit from it immensely. Leipzig did. You could see that last year. But once more, they at the start didn't play to his strengths. Tried to just shoehorn him in as we're doing, and it didn't work for him. Hmm. And this guy will need chances. You know, he doesn't, he's not the kind of guy who gets one chance, he'll score. That is not Timo Werner. He'll need three or four, but he'll bang him in as long as he gets the service. So there's two points here. Note that hmm. the service was not good yesterday, it was nearly, you know, non existent. And he needs to have someone play off him. So I think that can work with. What we have here, Olivier Giroud or, or Tammy Abraham, you know, can. But we're not playing that way. Yeah. We'd have to have a new system, which I get Thomas Tuchel wants to gradually, probably move over into because this isn't the kind of system he did play uh, day in day out at um, uh at, at, at PSG. Um, so we'll ha- we'll have to wait and see, but. I, I don't agree with that, you know, Werner doesn't fit into this league. He can fit in this league. We just have to make it happen. And that's mm. on mm. Chelsea, not on Werner. You know? And also that we need the creativity to be coming on a consistent basis as it was, you know, when Mata was here or when mm. Seth Fabregas was here, you know, in his first few years. So we don't have that at the moment. And that's, that's just coming back to haunt us. He's is he's it is it?
2: Here's a twist for both of you guys, right? Here's a twist. Um, mm-hmm. and, and once again, it's something that's been brewing in my mind uh, recently with how to, how to get the best out of Werner. And I don't want to make it sort of our team-centric you know, to one player. It's not that. But if you can unlock Werner... And it's, it's absolutely well said by Jimmy that one great attribute about Timo Werner is that his attitude. He never, never puts his head down. He just keeps going keeps working hard, unlike previously where we've seen, you know, as, as Jimmy said, you know, Marata or Torres, you know, head down and then the confidence level is down. And then it's very difficult to come back from that sort of mindset. Whereas Timo, he just keeps plowing on and plowing on. And that's why he's he's been involved. If you if you look at our past few games under Thomas Tuchel, his he's been his goal contribution in terms of getting penalties or assists or scoring, you know, he's been there. So it, it's purely because Eventually, hard work pays off. You know, that that mentality of hard work, yes, he's fluffed a few chances, 100%, no doubt about it, but because he works so hard that eventually some of this pays off. Now, here's the twist, though. I think, I think, in order to absolutely unlock him completely and get those chances frequently, as Jimmy was talking about, because this is a bit of an issue, because if we don't create enough chances, well, then that's not enough Chances for Timo to then convert because as we've all sort of agreed Timo probably needs four or five chances to put one or two in It's a bad conversion rate, but that's the kind of player he is But for us to do that, I think it Can't be Tammy. I completely think his game needs to develop still a lot more I think he's a decent player, but I think he's a secondary player Giroud is a fantastic player, but I think his time is coming to an end I think it needs to be Kai Havertz up there. Kai is the, I think, is the linchpin at the moment to unlock Timo Werner in mm-hmm. the sense that he can play as a false nine. So he wouldn't be your traditional centre-forward. He would act as a centre-forward, right? He'd be the false centre-forward. Yeah. But someone who can sort of drop deep in midfield, link up, and allow for the inside forwards, the half spaces, to, to really open up. And then someone who has the intelligence to make those runs into the box when either Mason Mound from the right side or Timo Werner on the left side cuts the ball in or, you know, dinks the ball in, then he's very, very well grounded to finish things off. He's a very good finisher. We've seen that from the Leverkusen days. Um, And as I said, his ball-playing ability to manipulate the passes there's not that many better than him at his age group at the moment. So I think that is something perhaps Tukul is working behind the scenes. I don't know. I hope he is. I'm, I'm sort of assuming that he is. Uh, obviously, Kai has been injured and he's been training recently. I just hope that this is this is something that, that Thomas Tukul does in the upcoming matches where Kai plays as a, false up front and Timo Werner and Mason Now are on the either side of him. And I think that could work wonders uh for the front half of our team.
0: Yeah. That's 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 a pretty good point actually, because that was something I was um planning to bring up towards the end of this discussion where I was gonna I was gonna ask you what you thought about maybe Havertz come where Havertz comes in basically, because he hasn't yeah. had the chance to play that much under Tuchel but then if he does come in and play alongside one of that, could be quite interesting. That yeah, that could be true. The c- c- kind of well, when we talk about players unlocking other players, it kind of reminds me of the time, Yossi Benayun was brought in to unlock Fernando Torres. But I know this is <laughs> I know this is very very different. And what you said yeah. makes a lot of sense. It just reminded me of that weird analogy. But yeah, we'll now take a short break and then return with some more talking points. Welcome back and. Now that we have gone through a few talking points from the game and individual players, I thought it might be a decent time to try and assess where we are with Tukul. But before we try and assess where we are with Tukul, I suppose the question is, how much time do you think he's actually had to implement his ideas on the team, given we've been playing a game every three days, give or take, since he's come in? And do you think that he's just keeping things going at the moment, or if he's really implementing a lot of his ideas, that's um, something I always wonder about when a manager comes in, especially in this sort of augmented schedule. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Ms, what what's your what's your take on just the I don't know the settling in period? Is that still going on?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a conversation I had with my younger brother that you know very well, Ram. Yeah, Shabab saying, um, you know sometimes i feel like and this is the thing you know it's so great that's why i'm always open to any sort of conversation whether it be outlandish whether it be you know sensible logical because you don't know what sort of avenue it, it kind of opens up in your mind uh because one cannot be you know, knowing of every single different aspects um, of, of of football. So I initially had this understanding that perhaps Tuchel is, you know, um, being able to implement a lot of his ideas already. Uh, you know, I've seen you know, the different change of formation, the way we defend, the way we are structured in midfield possession-based football. But I was having this conversation with my brother and he was like, come on, don't kid yourself, um, this man has had to play a game almost every three or four days. Yeah. There's recovery days, and he's probably getting maybe one training session in before the next game. Yeah. And he was sort of saying to me that there is no way he has been able to implement even 25% of his philosophy yet. There is still... A large portion which is off the back of what frank was doing and and he has been putting his flavor obviously with the change of formation and whatnot but what my brother was saying that you know these sort of things they take time until you start seeing a team completely represented of your thoughts and of your philosophy you know really yeah you know, we can compare for example let's say a team like Leicester, you know under brendan rogers um when first Brendan Rodgers took them in we saw a little bit of, of of change last season we saw a lot more of the change and this season we are now starting to see the true fruits of what Brendan Rodgers football is all about and his philosophy and you know uh, everyone would have seen some sort of um you know interviews that Brendan has done this season and and it kind of resonates to the way Leicester plays. You completely understand what he's saying and you see the way they play and it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, And that's Brendan after almost two seasons of full, full football with Leicester where we are now starting to see yeah. their brand of football. So to actually sit here and say that Thomas Turkle has implemented completely all his philosophy in seven games, I think, I think that's a bit ridiculous to even think. Uh, and I fell into that category. I was, I was naive to think that maybe maybe he has changed everything. But in all honesty, he probably has changed, as I said, the formation and, and maybe the structure of how we defend and how we press has probably changed that to an essence. But, you know, in terms of what we've already alluded in this, in this podcast already, that in terms of chances creation, we are not any much better than what we were under Frank Lampard. Um, Yeah. And this will take time. This will take time. And this is where my fear comes into play, boys, is that Chelsea Football Club is not known for giving time. And then I just hope that with a manager like Thomas Tuchel, and once again, I'm not having a dig at Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, in my opinion... Did not probably deserve time at the end because of his lack of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, The kind of decline that we were seeing from December to January is is unacceptable from a football club of the caliber Mm -hmm. of Chelsea. You cannot have that much of a dip, and and to the point where a lot of the players stop believing. You can see a lot of the players stop believing. So Thomas Tuchel, however, I. Do not expect him to go through such a dip, a two-month dip. There could be the odd game here and there where we don't click, but I do expect him to bounce back either a game or two games immediately after that to to showcase what, what, what is happening. So I just hope that our board and our fan base realizes that let's give this experience manager a chance because... He's done very well in Bundesliga. He's done very, very well with PSG. And there's no yeah. reason why he can't do well with us and the caliber of players that we have. It's just a matter of time. And I think, you know, in such a short time, all the little things that he's already done, I'm pretty sure he will he'll be able to do all the big things soon as well.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, it's definitely definitely too soon, I would Agree with uh, Shabab's take there, and he probably yeah he, his his body of work has, does warrant more time, and those those are exactly the two things I would I would mention if someone asked me what Tuchel has changed as well in terms of probably pressing organisation and just changed formation I suppose and yeah. probably putting Hudson Odoi in that role that makes makes him a pseudo winger but technically wing back but hmm. yeah uh, my my other just stray thought was Jimmy our run of fixtures since Thomas Tuchel has come in has well let's say it's not been against particularly good sides I don't so I, yeah, I'm just no. I'm, I'm just thinking since he's come in we've played what Burnley, Wolves, Spurs, Sheffield United, Barnsley and Newcastle and Southampton. None of these teams actually tried to play against us apart from Sheffield Mm. United and Southampton. And in both of those games, we didn't look very comfortable and in the other games, we were happy to just kind of suffocate them with possession of the ball. And obviously I've noticed that a salient feature of Tuchel's um, well, Tuchel's Sides in more recent times have been he likes having possession of the ball, and that that has also increased a little since he's come in. So, I guess my main point is, if Lampard had stayed and overseen these fixtures, do you think we would have taken a similar number of points from them? Because I think, uh, one one of the one of the big complaints against Lampard was he he didn't exactly take points. He didn't win against teams that were, I think, above us in the league table. And okay. we, we we began to have like a slight flat-track bully uh, impression amongst amongst people. And Lampard went on a very bad run, similar to the kind that Liverpool are currently on and Southampton themselves were on for a while. So, Jimmy, how much do you think... How, do, you, do you think our points total would have been comparable if Lampard was actually here? I know, I know it's kind of pointless to talk about it now, but just putting things into context, since we have kind of reported from facing a number of difficult sides, the slightly easier sides again. Yeah. How I mean, much of it do you think is circumstantial?
1: As you, as you said, it's kind of pointless really to, to think too much about it. I think it's also very, very difficult to say for sure. I'm sure there will be a lot of people that will be saying who is still, you know, in favor that Lamper just would have stayed that, ah, oh, you know, was is this so much better? And would we, wouldn't we have gotten just as much points? Well, we don't know that. No one will ever be able to know that for sure. Um, what we do know is that we were in dire need of a kick up the backside, and the change gave that. Yes, it was only against bottom half teams. None like, uh, in, in the top eight. This was the first team with Southampton yesterday, where you can say, okay, these these players we played against the opponent, they actually have a certain style that can hurt us. You know, Rafahsenhuttle, you're never allowed to underestimate him. He is a very, very good coach and I'm sure that he will make the move up once more. Um, after making a step back, he'll make two steps forwards at some point soon. He just figured it out yesterday. I, I didn't like that. They were throwing themselves to the ground and rolling around the, on the ground a lot. I don't know, that's not something that Ralph Hausenhut normally instructs his players to do. If it maybe it was something individual that the, some players of them did that was annoying. But generally speaking, um it's it it just showed that okay against the team that's organized that actually brings the game also to us, uh we'll struggle. It didn't help that there were certain changes that were made. I think were four changes. I don't know. And, and and it pains me to say this because I like Kozuma, but having him as the uh, the central centre back doesn't work. You need someone to open up play, you know, to make the opening pass. That is not something that Kozuma can do on a regular basis. Thiago Silva is absolutely needed, so let's hope he'll be back for. Do you prefer Madrid. On, by the way. Yes, I do, because you know people will say that he's not as physically present, and that's. Pretty obvious, that He isn't uh, as much as Kurt Zuma, but um, you can already see that in his stature. But he has more intricate passing. Um, he just seems more viable for that central position. He did so under under Conte, if I'm not mistaken. That's where he worked out very well. Um, it makes no sense to put Zuma there. It doesn't work. That's the first thing, and the second thing is kante kante in that pivot it just doesn't work for me i'm sorry i love kante he's a fantastic player it just doesn't give us the same flow as with Jorginho. and you know people like seb c will be (laughs) (laughs) and i don't care you know because you're his biggest hype man you sorry you're
0: his biggest hype man, Sepsis.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do not I don't get it, you know, the hate for Jorginho. unreasoned, because when he plays well, no one says that those people who criticize him constantly, they don't say anything. You know? It's kind of a a murmur that of reluctant acceptance. Well, he did contribute to winning us this game. But that's it. You know, no praise, nothing. And I'm sorry, but people have to start accepting that Jorginho and Kovacic is the way forward. And I don't know what that spells for Angola Conte. And he hasn't been the Pelé he once was yesterday when it was ball retention. Fine. But the thing is, what that pivot gives us is that we can actually pass through midfield and try and give a service up front. It just it's more fluent. You know, there's a fluidity there that we didn't have yesterday. And while that might've not really had much use because um, our wingers weren't really prolific yesterday, wasn't on point, but you know, you can see with the passing and the, the the understanding that's between Jorginho and Kovacic, Kovacic was always able to make those runs. Even when, when the Sheffield United or, uh, you know, brought the game to us or more than the others that we played against Kovacic was able to break those lines we couldn't do that yesterday because Kante didn't take up those positions where he could immediately have those one twos as Jorginho does he Kante tried and I said when he was all about getting the ball back fantastic you know but in that build-up play Kante is that's not your player to have you can play him in the three-man midfield where he's at the base, or you can play him in three-man midfield uh, in the two-man midfield where it's more about recycling possession, and you have those those winger players, you know, or the the creative players that come deeper and then carry the ball forward. But yesterday it was not really the case for me. Mason Mount, for example, was fantastic in the second half, but that's a criticism or point of criticism we can still hold against him in the first part of think was non-apparent you know and he needs more consistency there I mean he he himself said I need to be more you know clinical in that final third fine you know he's 22 years old he'll learn that fine but he has to put his stamp on a game for more than 45 minutes and he has been this season don't get me wrong but yesterday he didn't second half great first half was bleep but that was the same for every player and that's a concern because Tuchel had to react in the game to make you know to, to fit in some changes so that it actually worked we're not going to have that luxury against the teams we're playing against in the coming weeks you know, if you react at half time it might already be too late so that is some concern for me, and yes, I I know this didn't really answer the question whether we would have won these points under Lampa, but that's okay. I, I, I'm the kind of guy that says, I don't know, I, I we, answer we can't know that, oh, because sure. I yeah. think it's redundant anyway. I'm sorry, don't want to, you know... Uh, uh, oh no, I guess, I mean, you know, to questions. The, over,
0: the overall point was just, um, I don't know, we should probably... <laughs> not jump to give Tukel too much credit for stuff that's happening right now, I suppose. Mm.
2: Yeah. I, 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 no, go have on. A, I have a different twist to this as well. Which is great. We all have different flavours, which which then gives the viewers Yeah it's uh, the other side of the coin isn't it <laughs> the other side of the coin exactly. A wholesome sort of perspective. Um three things that Jimmy sort of brought up and I wanted to point uh I wanna I wanna give my sort of perception on it. First of all, obviously the question that you sort of said—I mean, regards to had Frank Lampard stayed on, would we have seen the same sort of results as we're seeing under Thomas Tuchel? Look, it's very difficult to say because obviously we're not—we're not, you know, some sort of um, you know future tellers and whatnot, and we 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 don't have that ability to see what the future holds. I think we can at least make some sort of educated assumptions, uh, some sort of educated, you know, a a decision, I suppose you could say, in the sense that what we saw under Frank Lampard for the month of, especially December and January, had drastically declined. I think it's safe to say that had he had still continued, it would have deteriorated even more. Yeah, and if, if 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 you if you if you judge by what you have seen in those two months and how some of the players, you know, whether it be the French players or even the starting players who are losing um, the belief in Frank, and you can see, you know, players like Kovacic, uh, weren't the same Kovacic as he is now. You know, mm-hmm. um, the French players in the sense of Jorginho, in the sense of Alonso, in the sense of. Um, Rüdiger, you know, there were there were nowhere to be seen. Kepper, who's managed to get a couple of clean sheets in under mm-hmm. Thomas Tuchel, he was he was non-existent as well. Um, rightly or wrongly, so that's a different debate. But a- a- our structure of how we were attacking, there was a very good thread that I retweeted, uh, which I'm happy to share with you guys uh, after this show. And and this particular thread outlined what Frank was trying to do, which was going around the opposition as opposed to going through them. The predominant basis of our attack under Frank Lampard for this specific month of December and January was let's not try and break them through the middle because maybe we don't have the caliber of players to do that. That's probably what Frank has summed up. Maybe, I don't know. Let's just go around them, utilize our fullbacks and and try and cross as much as we can and see if we can um, put in as many bodies as we can into the box and try and get a goal. You will see many times on the Frank Lampard during that time that the midfield literally had none of our players and it was just the opposition players that were just sort of dominating that midfield area. And a lot of our players were around the midfield, basically creating a circle. Um, So on that particular point, I feel if we look at all of that, I, I don't think Frank would have done as well as what Thomas Tuchel is doing now, because if, uh, the way we struggled against Fulham, that was still under Frank Lampard. We just managed to get a victory with a, with a man advantage, um, where Fulham probably looked the better team. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think you know we would have done better. So that, in that sense, the praise to Thomas Tuchel to do what he has done in such a short time, especially utilisation of the full squad, um, being able to at least give some sort of market value back to players like Alonso, Rüdiger, Jorginho, Kepa. These players had zero value under Frank Lampard, which is very detrimental to a football club like Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Football Club, who are looking to offload these players. And at the end of the day, a business factor of the side is a huge factor that the fan base does not always understand or comprehend properly. In this day and age of financial fair play, a, a football club, needs to ensure that they, they are in the positive uh, to a degree. So, you know, these players literally had no value under Frank Lampard. And now, at least, they have some sort of value. And hopefully, when the summer comes along, um, some of them will be offloaded off and and we get some sort of decent value back.
1: The The formational
2: change, the 3 4 three, or, or 3 2 4-1, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, you know, we, 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 this was a smart move from Thomas Tuchel in the sense that he, he would have seen the characteristics of the players, and he summed it up that there's no way that these players are good enough to play four three three of what Frank was trying to do with the lone DM of Kante and the attacking eights. We do not have those kind of caliber of players to lead that level of four three three. what Frank was trying to trying to implement. Um, so Thomas Tuchel realized that straight away, and then he reverted back to what was more suited for the, for the squad. Um, so, yeah, that, on that particular topic, I, th- I think Thomas Tuchel deserves some form of praise. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do understand what you mean, Ram, in the sense that yeah. probably, probably not a lot. Let's not go overboard because of the yeah. caliber of teams that we've played, but at least some sort of praise, because I don't think we would have even done this well under Frank Lampard considering yep. what has happened previously. Now, in yeah. regards to what Jimmy said in, in just a couple of other points, Kurt Zuma, 100% agree. Kurt Zuma is not someone who can play in a back three, especially someone who plays in the middle of the back three where you need almost like a playmaker center back in the likes of De Louise and the likes of Tiago Silva. Um, that is a very, very specialized position. And we saw the mistake that we made against Southampton where Zuma and Aspilaqueta just switched off. A lot had to do with Zuma because he's the middle centre-back. You, if you lose your concentration momentarily in that position, there will be a massive gap between the centre-backs and that's exactly what Minamino did. He just went through the middle and scored the goal. Had it been Thiago Silva, I highly doubt he falls asleep in that position. I highly doubt that he doesn't notice that Minamino is making that run in between the gap. Um, and, and he would have been there. He would have been there with a, either, either a last-ditch tackle or maybe even side-by-side Minamino where that pass doesn't even get to him. It might have been an intercept. Um, so that's a little bit about the Zuma situation where I'm starting to think, if we do continue with three at the back and all these rumours about new centre-backs coming in, how much of his you know, future is actually in this club, I'm starting to doubt that. And lastly, in regards to the Virginia point, hundred percent once again I agree with uh, Jimmy in the sense that a lot of people still have this residual value of Frank Lampart's football where they think Jorginho you know can can't play football, he gets bodied, he gets, you know, defeated, he gets outrun. But the way Frank was playing Jorginho was not how you play Jorginho. If you play Jorginho as a lone DM with two attacking eights and the kind of football that Frank Lampard was playing,
0: never gonna Jorginho,
2: it's never, ever going to work. It's never, ever going to work, Germain. You know I so you look at what, what Tuchel's doing now with Kovacic and Jorginho, the way they hold the position and the way they link up with the centre-backs and how much more of the ball that we control, and the way both Jorginho and Kovacic, they counter-press as soon as we lose the ball, that's exactly how you utilise Jorginho. And I've always said this, and, and Jimmy alluded to this, that Kovacic and Kante don't work. And Kante, in a possession-based system, I believe doesn't work. I think Kante is a very much a counter-attacking team player. And once again, this is no disrespect to Kante. Kante is a World Cup champion, a multiple Premier League champion but he's done it in the Premier League due to being a counter-attacking player under under Antonio Conte and, and uh, Claudio Ranieri with Danny Drinkwater and Matic and Fabregas who, who were very much a predominantly a counter-attacking team. And he thrives off that. When it becomes a possession base, he's not very much comfortable in, in making those one-touch passes and looking up and making the key passes. That's why Jorginho and Kovacic works. And, and Kovacic alongside Conte, and I've said this in my review, that Kovacic's true form gets exemplified or gets exhibited when he plays alongside Jorginho. Jorginho allows Kovacic to be Kovacic. When Kovacic plays alongside Kante, it's a little bit reserved Kovacic. And I am not one be surprised that he had his first poor game under Thomas Tuchel yesterday because that pivot doesn't work. You know, it, it might have worked for Kante to an extent. He played decently, but it compromised Kovacic's game in the second half, as we saw. So that's a little bit about all of that.
0: Yeah, that's... No, I I appreciate the fact that you... That's actually... They're all very interesting points, to be fair. And I I do see what you mean in terms of... I guess when Antonio Conte came in, one of the things that he said was that he was a tailor and that he would suit his side to the kind of players that he had. So... Mm. I suppose what Tuchel is doing with Jorginho and with the general shape and style of play is probably more suited to the players that we have at the moment. Plus, it does add value to guys like Jorgenio and Alonso has mm. come come back from the dark again. So, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate um, the other side of the coin being showcased <laughs> here. You can PayPal me later for all the promotion. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> of uh, uh, And yeah we'll we'll take another short break before we come back to quickly discuss chelsea's next fixture welcome back and obviously given we just touched upon the fixtures that chelsea have had it's perhaps quite noteworthy that our next five or six opponents are quite difficult to play so that's atletico madrid once man united liverpool everton okay liverpool is contentious at this point but it's still liverpool Everton, Leeds United and then Atletico Madrid again so that's six not so easy fixtures back-to-back and the next one is Atletico Madrid away in Madrid so yeah Jimmy uh, what do you what do you expect from this game we've uh feels like we play Atletico every other year or PSG but yeah what do you what do you think? <laughs>
1: It does, isn't it? It does feel as if we always play against the same teams, but then again, what can't be helped. Uh, what I think is um, we will have a very, very tough game on our hands. Um, uh, I don't know. If we had won yesterday, the confidence will be probably running a bit higher, but it depends entirely. I don't know. Due to Thomas Tuchel, changing things around. I don't know if he'll revert back to what we've been playing well with, with, for example, a Kovačić pivot, or Jovich, as it's called. Um, then then again, you know, our front three have to start firing and be more creative, take up the responsibility. Will they do that in the Champions League because it's the biggest stage to present themselves? I don't know. It's. I don't want to be too too negative because we've had a good run. I completely understand that it's not, it wasn't against the top teams we as we said already, but, uh, I don't know. It's difficult. We haven't done well in the champions league in recent years when it came to the knockout stages. So I'm going to be, I don't know. I want to be optimistic, but uh, athletic is a fantastic team and they of all teams in the world know how to sit deep and then, Completely annihilate you on the on the counter. So That is going to be our sternest test of the season. If you ask me uh, I'm not sure about the form I think because Real Madrid did Come into three points of them uh, Yesterday, I'm not sure if they've had a bit of a bad run. I know they've had some injuries Kimenez is I uh, got injured I think recently for example Felix has just come back um, so Okay, maybe that will be a bit in our favour, but we shouldn't be relying on injuries of the t- <laughs> opposition to to say oh we we have a better chance now. I don't know. It's it's a very tough one to predict, but depends on which Chelsea turns up. Is it the Chelsea that played fantastically well in certain halves in the last few games or is it the Chelsea that turned up against Barnsley or yesterday? I don't know. It's it's kind of a surprise package, and yeah, I, I I have to agree that the mentality problem is kind of a problem that it's difficult to say, will it be there? Will it be there? It's, you can't foresee what will happen, and that is a major concern.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think it's uh, going to be quite tough, given Atletico Madrid aren't exactly slumping at the moment. Mm. And I mean I think I think they just did lose to Levante, but still uh, they're still looking pretty strong for a title win this season. And it's technically the sort of team that we're set up to fail against. But I don't know if you'd agree with that, miss. Is there a is there a silver lining that I'm not seeing or is it just gonna be very difficult?
2: No, I think there's no two ways about this. This is gonna be a Very, very difficult game. Um, Just quickly, I'm not plugging, but if anyone is interested, I've got a Atletico fan uh, in my channel later today, uh, UK 7 p.m. time, to know everything about Atletico. So if you do want to know, just tune in and see that. I'm interested about it as well. But um, I think even though the... Recently, the Atletico's form hasn't been that great. Obviously, as you said, Ram, yeah, they've lost against Levante. Obviously, they lost 2-0 yesterday. Um, they've, overall, this season, they've been very, very strong. They've, I think now, with that loss against Levante, there might have been just two losses overall in the season with very few draws as well. And the likes of Suarez has been really, 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 really good for them. Lorente has been very good for them. Yannick Caresco, who's come back second time to Athletic Madrid, has been phenomenal as well for them. Kote, as usual, always great. Defensively, yes, Jimenez is injured, but they do have other very, very strong defenders. One thing about Diego Simeone is he knows how to defend. Um, let's not just take the recent form and make it seem like that's how it, it has always been No, not at all. Especially in the Champions League, these guys, they know Champions League football like the back of their hand. They understand knockout stages, they understand exactly how to play this football. It's not one bit of a surprise that they knocked out Liverpool last season, who were the reigning champions. Um, you know, it's not one bit of a surprise because Diego Simone simply knows how to play this brand of football. So, this will be a mammoth task. Let, let's not kid around ourselves. I, I just hope, guys, my only... To, to answer your question, I suppose, is, wrong. is there a silver lining? Probably not. I'm hopeful that we do put up a fight. I'm hopeful that we do go through as a fan. We always need to hope for the best. I think, to be realistic, it will be a very, very big, big fight. But, you know, just, just in regards to Atletico Madrid, you know... The, the, these guys are going to be. I just hope that our fan base at the at the, at the back of this doesn't start saying "Tuchel out" because we are. If you look at all the different Champions League matches that has taken so far, I would I would even say Barcelona is probably not one of the strongest teams in Europe at the moment. So for PSG, that's actually quite an easy opponent. You know, knowing Bayern Munich beat Barcelona, was it eight mule or? something like that, ridiculous last season. Um, Prior to that, I think Liverpool did that comeback against them, and then obviously prior to that, there was Roma that did the comeback, so I don't think Barcelona tie is that big. Dortmund and Sevilla probably wasn't that big as well. Um, Porto, Juventus, probably not that huge of a tie, although there's a bit of an upset that's brewing over there. So for me, Atletico Madrid and Chelsea is the biggest tie in this whole second round. I feel like this is the biggest one of them all. Um, and if we don't come away with, with with a positive result, I just hope the fan base doesn't take this as, oh, uh, you know, what good is Thomas Tuchel? Yeah, you
0: know, he, he is another
2: manager who doesn't know how to beat the top teams again. I just hope that we put up a fight, uh, that we play solidly against a very good opposition. And if we come, off, come, come away with a victory, that's fantastic, and I'm hoping that we do. But if we don't, we just need to still stay patient. There's a lot of things that are still for grabs in this season, uh, specifically in the Premier League and also that FA Cup as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very realistic way of looking at it, um, and the and the positive light, more more like uh, <laughs> I, I, I said, I didn't try to be too overly negative. <laughs> it's a bit difficult. I, I'm, uh, you know, the sad thing is i'm sure you're right that there will be then the fans that simply turn on him i'm not sure if it's just people that were very much still in favor of lampard staying but then again chelsea twitter or generally football twitter is a very fickle place to be uh opinions change also the big accounts you know there are chelsea big accounts where flip-flopping has become a way of gaining followers for them and it's highly infuriating uh, to be completely honest but then again they shall do the and we do us uh i just think that it's too early to judge him yet it was the same everywhere he's been and it's for every coach you know you can't just judge him on what well, is this his sixth game and hmm. needs time and some rotten apples have to be thrown out. And that won't change even if we don't play too well against Atletico Madrid. Uh, she wouldn't be the first coach that has won us. You know, coaches have won us things and they haven't performed well in the Champions League. Antonio Conte is the prime example of that. So just making Tuesday and then the return leg um, the mark of... How he'll perform that, that's not good either. You know, we we have to stay realistic. This squad is very much so in the transition. We're trying to find together. Thomas Tuchel's doing that one way or another. Atletico Madrid is a well-oiled machine for years. Yes, they've had their up and downs, but they have been the best team in La Liga this season. They were the toughest opponent to play against. That's unfortunate but that's just the way it is and we'll just have to wait and see uh if we do bow out to them then by all means you know we had the toughest opponents they're a fantastic team i said world well, machine Simeone has been coaching them for years it's, it's 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 a very 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 tough game you know and if we don't make it into the next round then that's just the way it is And we will be able to concentrate on the Champions League. And people will rip me apart for that. But, you know, (laughs) if Tuku had already taken over at the start of the season. Then, sure, I'd say no. It has to be the case that we finally pass into the the quarterfinals. And we've done quite well for ourselves when we have had a change of management in progressing in the Champions League. I I dare say. Um, But, you know... I said we have to stay realistic here and putting too much pressure on this team while no one's really too sure about themselves yet. And things are constantly still changing. Tuchel's trying to find his first 11 um, new players, uh, old players have come back into the fray. New players aren't doing well. It's still acclimatizing. It's just, it's, it's a very tricky position to be in and going against such a well-structured team as Lettico phew, tough, tough ask so we'll have to wait and see but yeah uh i can only implore people to not be fickle and turn on the manager after a poor display against atletico madrid and with that having been said i think we'll have to end the podcast because we have already been speaking for well over an hour um yeah i mean miz i hope you enjoyed yourself i certainly did um, we chewed through some very tough topics to talk about today, but we, it had to be said, had to be said, and yeah, it was great to have you on. You know, if, if we, if we are going to talk about difficult topics, then I'll always have you on, Miz, because you <laughs> have a very well balanced and that, you know, that, in a good way, <laughs> well balanced uh, opinion and no, no over exaggerating i hate that uh mm. when people do that it's always a very well-balanced discussion it was great to have you on mate
2: thank you thank you so much to both yourself and ram i've not had this much fun in a long long time I, uh, i'm not i'm not one bit sugarcoating this i do have my channel where i have a lot of fun but this conversation today has been up a different level um this is what you get, I suppose, when you sit down with two really smart individuals. And then, uh, you know, you can actually, as you said, you know, no exaggerations, all balance sort of takes and all sort of listening to each other, understanding everything, taking it all in. Um, and then coming up with a with a sensible response, I suppose, of, of, of matter. So, yeah, I cannot wait to come back again. I hope that you guys do invite me back into all the listeners Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, my side of the uh, opinions uh, as much as you enjoy uh, Ram and and, um, and Jimmy, uh, I'm sure, throughout this time. They've been doing a fantastic job for you guys. And uh, along the way, if you guys ever, ever want to venture to the other side of the coin, uh, you can see a lot more of me as well. Um, Just subscribe and uh, follow some of the shows. That's pretty much what I have to say
1: please do go and follow Ms. you won't regret it you know if you like listening to chelsea con while you're out for a jog or you're on your way back from from work then a chelsea podcast is always always a good option to listen to whether it's of course this podcast or the other side of the kind which i as, as Miz has said, we've also been on, it's always a good laugh, good content, some great personalities on it. And with some full knowledge that you don't want to miss. So yeah, the link will be of course in the description and yeah, that's all from us. Um, fantastic episode. Once again, uh, from a personal point of view, if you like this, then of course, please do comment in the comment section and yeah. That's all from us for this week. We'll be back soon talking about more Chelsea things, hopefully in a positive way. And take care and stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye.